Welcome into another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thanks for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Well, Brad Stevens has done it. The Celtics are all in and yet somehow maintain some flexibility and draft capital. Wayne Spoonie and Jake Eisenberg are here to break it all down. Spoonie, what a whirlwind, 48 hours or so. How are you doing, sir? How has this period been for you? Well, first of all, Ben, you clearly didn't get the memo. Jake and I are in matching shirts. So, uh, <laughs> come on, yes. dude. Uh, yeah. uh, I, it was insane. I immediately went to our Slack and was like, oh, my God, and then realized it was like 2 a.m. for you guys. Yes. So I wasn't going to get a response. Like, I am shocked, literally shocked. Like, Brad clearly just we'll talk probably talk about his comments today, but like he clearly had his guy and he yeah. absolutely went for it, man. And I. Well, I don't want to get into it now, but I'm just, I am shocked. Dude, yeah. Yeah. Is, Jake? Someone take the trade machine away from Brad. Just get, <laughs> let him cool off for a couple <laughs> couple hours here. Can't help himself. I mean, this was the vision, it feels like. And yeah. and I think uh, he, he saw his chance to really put together what he saw as the best possible team that can win a title. And he, yeah, expand no spence, but... He thinks his he thinks that there's words to be done. I haven't seen Brad smile like that in a while. It feels like some of this media day stuff, but um, but yeah, we're we're here now, Jake. Just in, <laughs> in the interest of the listeners, Jake is back from a multi day Bucks slash bachelor party. Just I'm sure the fans, the listeners are dying to know how are you holding up, Jake? I feel better now that I'm here in a safe. Like this is this is one thing I can still do is talk about the Celtics and it consumes Celtics things. So thankfully, Brad and the boys media day. I need positive energy, positive vibes. Um, you know, I'm I'm closer to Al Horford. Um, you know, retiring and me retiring from the Bender game. Uh, we're probably kind of on similar timelines in uh, in that regard. But yeah, three day three day bachelor parties. Um, are big, but um, I, I, I just, I just missed, uh, yeah. the, I, like, I think I was the first one to reply to Spoonie because I was up again um, at like, f- like five in the morning just to, <laughs> to get to start the next day watching football. And um, we call it, we call it a super Monday. It's a, it's a vanilla rhubarb tea with a shot of fireball. Cause beer, when you wake up at five in the morning, is a bit tough, but <laughs> a vanilla rhubarb tea with a shot of fireball. Um, and then waking up to try and watch three screens of football, but then can like, understand what the true holiday trade was at the same time while yeah. also not being able to feel emotions. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> oh, what an experience. What a, I would pay for that like wild ride if like somehow that could be simulated for me. All right, so the trade, the Drew holiday trade. First of all, I apologize. I have a knot in my brain where apparently at least three to five times per podcast, I will say Drew Bledsoe instead of Drew Holiday. <laughs> I apologize in advance for that. We're going to run through the good, the bad, and the neutral aspects of the trade. The trade, of course, being Rob Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, a 2024 first round pick via the Warriors and a 2029 <laughs> unprotected first round pick via us, the Celtics, going out to the Portland Trailblazers for one, Drew Holiday. Got that right the first time. Um, there we go. Let's just start with the good here, Spoonie. Um, and the first point I had is that we've solved at least some of our playmaking concerns. And if you look at the rankings for Drew Holiday, He's not like top 90th percentile really in any playmaking metrics among 
starting point guards uh, in the league. And yet we did have a glaring hole as far as just like someone who knew what they were doing, setting the table, offensively speaking. Now we have really one of the premier point guards in the league, especially defensively on the team. We'll start there as one of the good aspects. Do you agree that 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 plugs that hole for us? Yeah, I I absolutely do. Like we were all talking about how smart's a plus playmaker um, and he absolutely is. But do you remember way back, Ben, when Celtics Jay was on the pod and he and I went back and forth for like a half an hour with Marcus Smart versus Drew Holiday? Oh, yeah. In my. Yeah. For a long time. He talked for 25 minutes of it, but I got a tight five (laughs) at the end. Uh, And my main argument was. The playmaking gap like Drew is just a different level of playmaker. I think Marcus is sort of a more instinctual passer. Like if he gets it on the move, he will find the guy quicker. But Drew is like what we wanted out of Brogdon. He's like he gets so much more defensive attention. He gets to the rim a lot easier. So he just draws a lot more attention and he makes that easy pass all the time. The ones that Brogdon rejected (laughs) over and over again. Um so I, I absolutely do. Like if you look at his assist percentage, it's like mid thirties, low mid thirties and smart was around 26 and smart led the team last year. So Drew is just a big step up and that Milwaukee team's a weird team to run. Like they have spacing issues like Giannis gets a lot of the ball. Mm-hmm. So he's not like, you know, it's not like he's running 25 high pick and rolls a game. They probably should have, but they didn't, you know, Middleton's getting on the ball. So I yeah, I, I really think like late in a game you can give the ball to Drew, have, you know, Porzingis or Tatum set a double screen and he got white and brown, like space in the corner. I mean, come on, man. I mean, like yeah. I could make a pass to that <laughs> offense. Oh my god. I, I have a long list of good about this trade. It's ultimately I think we're all on the same page here. It's very good that we have Drew Blitz. So uh, but Jake, I'll throw to you. Otherwise I'll talk all all day about how damn excited I am. Well, see, now now I don't know if these are Freudian slips or not. Was that a Freudian slip or was that a purposeful Drew Bledsoe? I guess, uh, I don't no, it's know. always a Freudian slip. I want to say that. <laughs> I, like, I apologize in advance. It will happen again. It just okay. You just have to replace it in your mind because clearly I, I can't do just, it. So just so we're all on the same page, audience, whenever you do say Drew Bledsoe, it's a mistake. That's what I'm just saying. Yes, yeah, 1,000%. <laughs> yeah, so it, a terrible, so it's funny terrible for mistake. Right. So, yeah. so it's a, not a purposeful joke, but it's just funny for everybody yeah, else. It's just, just so I am an I idiot. That's why. Fantastic. Well, <laughs> perfect. Just, yeah, consistency from Ben. As always. Um, yeah, man, look, we just added like an all-star, like another one to to the team. And I mean, like last podcast, right? I think I was probably the one that was the most, I think we literally threw out this exact package as did everybody, right? Mm-hmm. It was, and we were like, oh, how much does that increase our odds of winning the title? Um, especially when you talk about the rental part of it. But all the reports so far are like, I would not be shocked if it's just like the two-year extension when it's eligible and you put Porzingis and Derek White on that same timeline, then the risk becomes, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not as risky to, to throw out those picks. Um, but man, Brad is in the, in the screw them picks uh, mindset right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but something that we definitely have talked about and we're worried about a little bit is that, you know, we lost the heart and soul of the team and like that specific heart and soul, what endeared him to our, to us and to Celtics fans was his ability to die, to be first to the floor that grit, the, the defensive playmaking, the defensive creativity that Marcus Smart had, like the first thing that comes to mind is playing the Clippers in LA and Marcus Smart, you know, there's a ball going to the sideline. He dies, he throws it off Kawhi's shin and it goes out of bounds and they get the ball back. 
we didn't have that guy. Like we we had Derek White on that team, but there was just a special type of way that Marcus Smart makes those sorts of plays, winning plays. Yeah. True Holiday's like defining moment as an NBA player is tripping Devin Booker in the finals, going down the other end, alley oop, Giannis and one, but more or less clinches an NBA yep. title. And so bringing a guy like that. That we were going to miss, and we we're going. To, there was going to be a void. We we're going to make up for in other ways. But to bring that guy in that we know is so important that can swing games. That's the part that I'm like most excited about to get that energy back in the game. We didn't have that with Brogdon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with all of that. And other than what we've <laughs> touched on so far, Spoonie, what what sort of the best thing that jumps off the page to you about this acquisition? I mean. So it's like we'll never have played a game without Marcus Smart, essentially, yeah. <laughs> on the defensive end, because yeah. Drew and Marcus have been one, two for defensive guards for what, the past decade, mm-hmm. basically. So um, you pair him. We, we already saw it. Actually, Smart kind of had a under mm-hmm. like a kind of poor, def- not poor, but poor for his standards defensive season last year. Drew did not. Um, so him with White. He's got the size. He's got the switchability. I can't wait to watch him defend Giannis. That's going to be absolutely awesome. Um, but I think it's really just his versatility on both ends. Like he's money on catch and shoot threes. He's a solid pick and roll ball handler, 80th percentile. And he's a 70th percentile ISO defender, right? So like he defends his man. He can shoot. He can play make. He can run a pick and roll. The only problem is really... Yeah his age uh, you know but at this point yeah brad i don't know who's 2k save we're living in now but <laughs> brad it's brad stevens is the player it's his i guess uh because this is insane uh but i just think like he can he can play in every single lineup we roll out there it does not matter who he can probably move up to the three at times if we need him to like there's just a million things you can do you could park him in the corner you can make him he can post up like he's a good post up scorer too. Like he's he's good, man. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely yeah. insane. If you think about the way that uh, so many plays ended for the Celtics last year with Marcus Smart catching and shooting and often missing because he's just not that yeah. good a three point shooter, except in the playoffs, uh, apparently, where he had That's a massive uptick in shooting percentage and Drew went the other way. But throughout the regular season last year, you mentioned this, Spoonie, Drew, 45% on catch and shoot threes. If that's the way the play is going to continue to end for the Celtics, but it's Drew catching and shooting, like that's a, it's a high yeah. clip, very efficient way to, to run every play. Um, I, was just, I brought up his basketball index yeah. player card, which sort of highlights their highest and lowest rankings here. Uh, a lot of stuff I've already mentioned. So perimeter isolation defense, top 99.9 percentile in the league, ranked fifth overall. Rim shot making, ranked seventh overall. Uh, teammate room protection, teammate screener, rim defense, and ball screen navigation, which leads me to we've got this two-pronged, amazing, switchable guard defense. Derek White at the two, I, I suppose that's how it's going to work out. Eric, Eric Bledsoe, Drew Holiday, <laughs> my God, <laughs> Drew Holiday at the one. Uh, like, how do you attack that? If, if you're looking at, I guess, the, the Bucks, for example, Dame, huge acquisition for them, but very exploitative defensively with us going at them and, and constantly hunting hunting Dame on mismatches. How do opposing teams attack the Celtics with how stacked we are defensively? And and the thing that comes to mind is, okay, Porzingis, he's going to be the, the lone big, the starting five. You know, how are we going to navigate what drop defense oh, looks like? Um, we're definitely switchable one through four. 
And then <laughs> really where it becomes tough is like, you know, can Porzingis come up to, to the ball and either handle those switches or do we have enough screen navigation now between Derek and Drew that it doesn't matter because they can just like jump through the screens and continue to defend the, the ball handler. So, Jake, how do you think that's going to work out? Yeah, look, I had another one. Like, Brad just p- picked up a guy that is can it, like similar to Porzingis popping up in all of these metrics. Like, what are we looking is, at here? If, so if, you, if you're not watching on YouTube, there's a, there's a graph where the bottom axis is perimeter isolation defense and the, the vertical axis is off-ball chaser defense. And in the far top right alone, out of all defenders in the NBA, is Drew Holiday. And Marcus Smart's kind of like down in the middle to the right, which and this is all regular season defense. And we kind of know that Marcus Smart slipped in that way. Bringing a guy like Drew Holiday, who last season had one of the best defensive seasons in the NBA. And we're talking about a defense that's going to be drop heavy. I think, yeah, as you said, I reckon, you know, I envision switching one through four is probably going to be the move. And then we play drop when it comes to Pozingas and Al. And Al can still switch a little bit when it comes to the regular season. But man, the point of attack being Derek White and Drew Holiday for just any game is absurd. But then when you're your number one opponent is going to be Giannis and Dane pick and roll and you have maybe the two best screen navigators in the NBA last season. Brad, Brad dude, like he on both ends, like it, it's an upgrade. And I know I saw a comment here about Drew Holiday's, you know, playoff percentages. We, we're going to have to talk about that because um, shooting wise, they, they, they were kind of inverse players, regular season yeah. versus uh, playoffs. But as we talk about it now, last episode, we did say Drew Holiday has been, significantly overtaxed in his offensive role the last couple of seasons. Middleton's barely been healthy and Drew Holiday as your, your primarily primary ball handler, basically shared it with Giannis, um, your primary guard handler wing, they didn't have a wing handler. It's, you know, it's, it's too much for Drew versus now he's going to be catching and shooting secondary playmaking. Um, I think that, ro- that those percentages come up in the playoffs, but even if they don't like, if he's 31, 32% in the playoffs, but he's still giving you everything else, I, they can, you can still win the title. The, the year they won the title, he shot 30% from three as well. Um, but hey, if that if those regular season percentages carry to the playoffs, then like this could be just too easy. Yeah, and even though he was himself inefficient in the playoffs, I pulled up his on-offs for the last two playoffs combined. With Drew Holiday on, the Bucks were plus 1.2. With him off, they were minus 7.6. With him on, the offense 111.2, which would have been an average playoff offense. Uh, and with him off the court, 96, which would have been by far the worst playoff offense. So those are offensive ratings and net ratings. And so even though he himself was inefficient, it just goes to his wild, diverse skill set offensively even that the offense was still humming when he was out there a lot because of him so if he just hits some shots and we're getting that crazy skill set like dude it's gonna be a problem yeah 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 go ahead ben well you go i'm gonna move on so if you've got a point on this i was just gonna say like i think it's easy for everybody to like shooting so important in the nba and and it's so like it's so easy to cling to three point percentage in the playoffs three point percentage here um when really 
Marcus Smart's free point percentage was never going to tell the story about the type of player he was, the type of impact he has on a night-to-night basis, how much he impacts winning. And True Holiday, I mean, Brad has put together a bunch of guys that just like grayed out really, really well on all the impact metrics. And whether Derek White, Jason Tatum, True Holiday, even Porzingis last season, but specifically D. White, Drew, and Tatum, like when they're missing shots, I do not worry about their impact on the game because they can do so many things on both ends that like it doesn't matter. And I think that's an important thing to note as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's just, he's a net positive. Like he's a known, even by the most casual fan, he's a known <laughs> net positive league-wide. He's a, a massive positive attribute to have on one's team. And we'll get to the negative. We'll get to the sad farewells of the the outgoing players, um, which are, you know, particularly in Rob Williams' case is the, the primary negative there. But there's still so many more positives to get to. And, you know, a lot of the gripes about this trade is that we we have lost some of our depth and there's still time left in the offseason to rebuild some of that. And we've got plenty of draft capital. Uh, we've got the grant TPE that we could use for some sort of maneuverability there. Um, but we, where we do have depth is with our stars. We have star depth. And when Paul Zingas was acquired, we talked about who were the best winners, who were the major winners from that acquisition. And it was really the Jays in that the court would be so much more opened up for them to maneuver and do what they do you know, without opposing defenses being able to collapse in the paint because they have to stay yep. true and defend Kristaps Porzingis. Now we add additional star depth. And with our starting five or even top six on the court, like who do you help off of? Who do you help off of to go and throw two at Jason Tatum? And then if you do, the playmaking opportunities for Tatum or Brown or whoever is holding the ball for, for Drew Holiday are just like exponentially better. So our stars are a winner. And if Porzingis is injured, if Tatum is injured for a period of time, like you can still roll out multiple stars. And so that star depth, despite our lack of like overall depth, is still huge in terms of putting a winning lineup on the court and increasing your chances of winning game to game throughout the regular season. So we do have a sneaky level of depth there. There's three all-stars on this team, literally from the most yeah. recent season. It is. Yeah. It's- I know. <laughs> and by the way, Puzingas was also an all-star like not that long ago. So it's just like the ceiling of this team is crazy. Yeah, the helping off thing, um, you know, I, I haven't dug into Bucks film as anywhere close to as closely as I've looked at all the Celtics playoff games the last couple of years. But, you know, the Heat loved helping off Marcus Smart. The Warriors loved helping off Marcus Smart. I do wonder, you know, I'm gonna go, when I go back and look like how comfortable because that, that's almost more important than the percentages. Um, you know, Marcus Smart gets to shoot 33, 34, 35% on wide open threes in the playoffs because mm-hmm. you have to pick your poison when it comes to the Jays. You're going to have to go back and look at it. But if, from my recollection, which my recollection is you know, slightly less powerful yeah. than it usually is, but um, <laughs> I, remember, I remember Drew Holiday taking a lot, a lot, of, a lot of contested threes, a lot of tough shots where yeah. it, should, it should be a lot easier. Like it should be a lot more open for him now. You know who they're going to help off of is Derek White and he's going to eat, dude. Yeah. He's going to feast. He's the only guy who's not an all-star and he's like, <laughs> okay, you're going to help off Derek White? Great. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Or like Jalen Brown's three-point shooting, that had a downturn <laughs> last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe looking at that statistic, that short-term statistic, maybe we'll help off Jalen Brown. Well, if there's one thing that's going to be the impetus for an uptick, a, a recovery in his three-point shooting percentage. It's, it's teams helping off Jalen Brown. So I hope mm-hmm. for dear life that teams decide to help off all-NBA player Jalen Brown. Um, that would be amazing. We're going to keep rolling with the positives here. There's still so much to get to. But first, we've got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, FanDuel. So I didn't tee you guys up for this. So I, I 
don't worry if you don't have any NFL uh, odds <laughs> in front of you because I would be very excited to just talk about the NBA uh, title odds. Uh, the, the Celtics are now at the top of said odds. I got a very quick one. I, uh, I bet heavily against the Patriots, um, against the Saints. Smart. Yeah, I think that's over. Sorry for everybody that uh, bet Patriots plus six and a half. It's basketball season. Who cares about the yeah. Patriots? And, oh, yeah. It's really basketball season now. <laughs> after what, yeah. after this trade, but after what the Patriots did, Boston Celtics, <laughs> you are the Boston team. Yeah. <laughs> Easily. Spoonie, you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the Bruins are terrible right now, and the Red Sox are terrible. So it's our city, man. You know what time it's, it is? It's the Celtics, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, so that we're not here all night, I probably need to start consolidating some of these good points. And and guys, if you've got like major good points that I haven't brought up here, like just jump in with them. But I will say um, we parted ways with a disgruntled player. And if some of the reporting that came out post trade around Malcolm Brogdon was that he actually post smart trade had an expectation of a starting role above Derek White. And with that added context, you, I think for a while we were sort of toing and froing on whether or not the Celtics needed to make this trade because Malcolm Brogdon, six man of the year, incredible outside shooter, like he's a guy you want to kind of keep around despite the health concerns. Once that reporting came out, it was like, of course, they had to pull the trigger. And to be able to do so with this kind of acquisition, that's why it's in our good things. Uh, you know, that, that sort of potential um, thing to mess with the team's chemistry that's out the door as well with, with Brogdon gone and as sad as it was to, to move away from Time Lord to, to move on from Malcolm Brogdon despite his professionalism uh, is a hugely important massively good thing about this trade so feel free to add to that or if you want to jump in with your own good thing points uh, get in there guys <laughs> no I, I do think I do think that this is better for chemistry like it, it's it, very obvious that Brogdon was really pissed off. I, I hadn't seen anything about that starting job stuff. It's not super surprising um, that he views himself as better than Derek White. Um, that's just kind of how these guys roll in the NBA is that they kind of think that they're always better than everybody else. But um, we'll, we'll get Spoonie back here soon. But, um, but yeah, so I think that's, a, that's an, chemistry-wise, easily an improvement. Like Drew Holiday is like known as the – locker room guy. Everybody absolutely loves him. And a guy that's already won a title, already done the all-star thing as recently as last year. Um, probably going to have a chip on his shoulder, like really coming into this season. So chemistry wise, you send out the one guy that really had the potential to actually cause some chemistry problems as far as like unhappiness with role. I think maybe you could argue Porzingis could feel that way with not enough touches, but I don't think that's going to be a problem. Brogdon, even last year, talked so much about sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we kind of get it, dude. Like, you're, you're not a starter anymore. You're still playing the exact same amount of minutes as Derek White. You're one sixth man of the year. You're on the best team in the Eastern Conference for the regular season, pretty much. Like, sacrifice. Um, sorry, the, the voice is coming in and <laughs> out here. We're hanging in there. <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> Sacrifice is like it's pretty strong for the life and the role that you had last year. Like I, I, I think that we we were kind of beating a dead horse here when it came to sacrifice and Brogdon. And if you felt that he really deserved like this elevated role when pretty much everybody was on the same page, it's like there was no reason for you to start again. Then yeah, I think it's an obvious chemistry upgrade. I think that we would have been fine anyway. It would have worked itself out, but. Yeah, like the the starting lineup to me is pretty obvious. I've seen some buzz about D. White coming off the bench still. I know that's one guy that's not going to be upset. Like, 
I much I have way more confidence that D White's going to be totally fine with whatever role is asked of him. That being said, I never want to get to the starting five, but it's pretty. The starting five is quite obvious to me. Agreed. Yeah. Well, so it's going to be Drew Holiday. I always have to pause and like calculate <laughs> saying that name. Drew Holiday, Derek White, the Jays, and Porzingis. Right. Like it's it's clear. Yeah. I think, unless there's any sort of injury concerns. And then yeah. Al Horford is your primary backup big off the bench, like your six-man, essentially. Yeah. I, I don't know if the rotation works. I've seen people calling for Al to start. Yes. I just think that's going to run up too many minutes on him if he's starting at power forward and has to be the primary backup big. I don't know how you keep him down in that like low 20s, high teens uh, if you're doing that to him. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think there's much of a question but i guess the argument is like kp and al would just be absurd rim protection yeah. and the rebounding yeah i think like you you still want to experiment with that every game probably oh yeah like we we, we want to have that option in in the repertoire in the quiver um going into next season did that double big lineup like you know can can we can we try Pozingas in the um in the roaming role when you come against a team that has um you know, some options to help off, whether it's a PJ Tucker, um, uh, who I'm just trying to think of the heat who you can help off, but they don't miss shots when they play against us. So <laughs> don't do, don't help off anybody. Things have changed. Um, but the, yeah. yeah things, things have changed. But yeah, when, when it, yeah. When it comes to the bucks, um, yeah. Helping off, um, all kinds of guys. Cause they don't have a fourth best player, but, um, fifth best, fifth starter, I should say. So yeah, I think you experiment with it, but you want to keep both their minutes down. Mm-hmm. So you want, you know, both of those guys definitely below 30. And I mean, Spoonie's Al's going to be playing like four minutes of bench. Uh, a minute, you know, <laughs> yes. uh, the, the numbers keep getting lower. <laughs> Mid twenties, low twenties. We're getting into the teens now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Luke Cornett, uh, his name's been thrown around a lot recently. Like he's going to get mm. out of minutes. He's definitely a winner coming out of this trade. Peyton Pritchard as well. He's going to see an uptick in minutes. Do we have a lot of confidence? Like we're sort of, we're, um, PP celebrators here on this podcast, but now time. that it's like basically set in stone that he's going to get solid minutes as the the primary backup point guard slash the only backup point guard. Maybe Delano Banton is also a winner as well. Are you guys like happy with that, or are the defensive issues a little too glaring for you? Um, I mean, we are. Look, firstly, PP enthusiasts across the board here. That's <laughs> just want to make sure we're you know all on the same page there. But is he going to play that much more before this trade? I guess, like he's still the third guard. Yeah. Maybe you know the fact that Drew and um, Derek are starting. That maybe his minutes go up a little bit, but he's still the third guard. They're probably going to stagger out Derek and Drew quite a bit. Um, I'm not sure. I see Pritchett's minutes going up that much. It's it's the Cornish game hen as it stands today. Um, whose minutes may have gone up the most, um, depending on how you feel about Wyndham Gabriel as well. But yes, he's back. He's back. Love Man, it. bus one's going to be empty soon. I know. Yeah, Everyone's yeah, going to be on bus too. Hazard. So, <laughs> yeah. Spo- uh, Spoonie, oh, no, no, go ahead. And then hit us with your remaining good points because we've, we've got to move on to the bad. Otherwise, we're going to be here forever. Yeah, sorry I had to drop out. So, if I hit one of those uh, like that you already talked about, I apologize. But the internet's working much better. Uh, yeah, I trust Pritchard. Uh, I think he'll be fine as a third guard. He's great with Tatum. You know, there's going to be people he's going to have open shots all day. I do not trust Luke Cornett. Absolutely. Oh. At all. But he's fine in the regular season. He can't yes. rebound. It I just know, makes I you know. so mad. You are right. Rebounding is <laughs> um, going to be a good, huge issue. Sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. Good points. This is an all in trade. 
but not really. Brad still has yeah. tons of ammo if he wants to get really crazy. Like we have all of those seconds. Everyone's saying seconds are more valuable now in the new cap hell that is the new CBA. Um, and ultimately, I think it compresses sort of the ceiling and the floor a little bit. Like our range of outcomes mm. are a lot narrower. Maybe our ceiling because healthy Rob Williams is so insanely impactful, is just maybe a slight tick lower. Mm -hmm. But I think the floor is way higher because Drew doesn't, like, he plays, man. Like, that dude plays a lot of games and a lot of minutes. Uh, And you just, Brogdon got hurt, and it was over. Rob was hurt again. I mean, at some point, it's like, it's going to be nice not have to worry about whether Rob Williams is going to be healthy for the playoffs or not. Yeah. Like, the biggest... Like concern that everybody had for this team was health, and yeah. obviously Puzingas is still a a big part of that. But three of our top six guys were like really big injury risks, mm-hmm. massive injury red flags. Like as much as we love Rob, every game, every game, it's in the slack being like, "Is Rob okay?" Oh my god! Every <laughs> play, when he limps on a rebound, every- it's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to not Can have to, like, that level of concern for Time Lord, Brogdon, and Porzingis all in one season would have been almost too much to yeah. bear. So, to have that received to essentially just one player now um, is a huge relief. Um, yeah, I think we've pretty much touched on everything. A few quick ones. Drew might already be a top three fan favorite. Like, we, we don't, mm. it's sort of a working title for what this segment should be called. But, like, the player that you can't wait to see hoist the, the championship trophy the most and even though we love the Jays, like for whatever reason, they have avoided being at the top of this list. Like it was always Marcus Smart. To see Marcus Smart hoist the championship trophy was like what every Celtics fan wanted the most. Now I think Al Horford is safely at the top there. Derek White is a name that's come up a lot mm. as being like that guy that you just can't wait to see hoist the trophy. And then I think by the end of the season, Drew Holiday is going to find himself there just because of that tenacity um, we had Ben Golliver on the pod recently who sort of put shit on our, our podcast name. We're like, you can't be called first of the floor anymore because you shipped out everyone with that mentality. And so we get some of that back with, with Drew Take Holiday. that, Ben Golliver. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Brad's a fan. Come back on. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk again. Uh, yeah. So Drew Holiday, I think, is going to endear himself to the fan base on that level as well. So I'm excited for that. And then finally, two more things. The Drew Holiday and Charles Lee connection. Obviously, they were both part of the Milwaukee Bucks last year, bringing that chemistry and experience in playing in playing the Bucks, and obviously the Bucks, different coach different focal points offensively and defensively with the dame acquisition but still there's some knowledge there that i think that'll be really helpful for the celtics and then finally perhaps the best part of this acquisition is this Chandroy. the sixers Chandroy. the lakers Chandroy. the heat Chandroy. milwaukee bulls Chandroy. That's right. The best part is the Schadenfreude. The Miami Heat in particular. uh, I mean, I've seen some angry Bucks fans like, why do we do this? Like we've set into motion (laughs) a cause of actions that now are completely out of our control. Meanwhile, the Miami Heat, other than Jimmy Butler rocking up to Media Day with an emo haircut, uh, have not. That's really been the biggest boom of their offseason is Jimmy Jimmy Butler's haircut. Um, Jake, you're the Schadenfreude expert on this show. So, Talk to us. Talk, tell the fans what it feels like right now to be a Celtics fan <laughs> in the wake of the Heat fans' uh, despair. Man, because I, I I speak for myself, but the Heat are at the top of the list of teams that I hate the most at this point in my fandom. Um, as much as it's going to, like, we have our battles with the Bucks. 
I really respect Giannis and, and Dame have always been one of my favorite players. Like I don't have a lot of hate in particular for the Bucks. What they've done successful, like how they've been successful, it doesn't feel like fluky. It's like grit, it's size, it's, you know, when it comes to the heat, it's all Fugazi, Fugazi. They should not yeah. be get, how do they keep getting away with it? And the buck has stopped. Please, Lord, has have it stopped because I'm, you know, I'm still don't want to see those guys in uh, round two. Let's 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 be honest. But um, this is a disaster for them. Like on the last episode, we were like, please, they cannot get Drew Holiday because that would be a problem. Like Dame, Dame would have been a real problem. Them adding Drew Holiday with some of the stuff they were still going to have to send out would have been a real problem with the way that they already defend the Celtics. Adding Drew to that Heat team that already defends the Celtics well and you replace Gabe Vincent with freaking Drew Holiday at the point of attack. Didn't want to see that. Didn't want to see that at all. You flipped that the other way around and ah, it's just beautiful. And seeing Jimmy sit there with his emo haircut was a good choice. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be emotional too if I was, I was Jimmy Butler. Um, Tough day for Pat Riley and the boys. Like, we've got to start giving um, Pat Riley the Denny Ainge almost got the star label. Can we, like, where is that? Greeny does that, that dude. Yeah, Greeny I know. He does yes, that. He's yeah, all over yeah. it. Nice. Yeah. They miss out and they miss out on everything. And, yeah. and no, they're in a place like with Danny where Danny had to win every deal. Um, he, and he could tell every GM felt like they knew that Pat Riley and Danny wanted to screw them over. And they just never got any deals done because they had to win the trade by so much. And, um, and now um, Jimmy Butler and Spam Adebayo and Nikola Jovic are he- hopefully here to save the day. I got a text from my Sixers fan buddy immediately after the trade. <laughs> yes. It's over. We missed our window. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so pretty good stuff. <laughs> oh, man. They're, they're, they're like very so dead. They're yeah. so dead. It's great. We do need to, to pause and just acknowledge the fact that Malcolm Brogdon could go to either the Sixers or the Heat. Um, obviously, they've, they've been hustling yeah. the, the Blazers to, for various potential point guard acquisitions. And now the third in line uh, option is, is Malcolm Brogdon. So, that could happen. <laughs> Add like there's a sneaky revenge factor, I guess, from Brogdon's perspective. Like he obviously was slightly disgruntled by the end of his Celtics tenure there. So, for them to... to uh, take that energy on board and obviously the talent with Malcolm Brogdon as well. Um, we might have to do some sort of inverse shard of photo report um, if that does happen. Let's get to the bad very quickly on that note. Um, Spoonie, let's start with you. The, the huge hit to our big man depth. We talked about the, the makeup in, in star depth, but how do you see the, the Celtics sort of um, dealing with that issue? Well, I, I think it's a clear indication that Tatum is our four next year. Um, and some people don't love that. I get it. Puts a little more miles on him. Uh, I think the concern for me is rebounding. I don't trust Luke. KP's not a great defensive rebounder. Tatum, I think, is a good rebounder. Solid for a four. Jalen's a good rebounder for a three. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I think that is probably the biggest hole I see with all these trades. Um, and look, you're... KP rolls his ankle and misses three weeks. All of a sudden, Luke Cornett's playing 25 minutes a night, and that doesn't warm my heart particularly. So I wonder if Brad's still in the in the market for somebody else. But look, Time Lord played 36 games last yeah. year. This isn't that different than what we went through all of last season with Blake Griffin's starting game. So we've done it before. We won 57 games uh, with a similar setup if KP does miss time. So uh, 
it's all going to come down to being healthy for the playoffs, I think. Just like, and I think the chances of that are higher without Time Lord on the team. It's very great points, Benny, because it's very important to remember the Celtics went 21 and 4, 21 and 5 with Al Horford as a starting big man. And then it was Blake Griffin, Noah Vonley, Luke Cornett. Uh, like, it's kind of the least important position. Like, I'd much rather deal with. Like if I was going to rank the injuries that I, like you can kind of sustain in a regular season and find like a random big man to catch some lobs and do some rebounding, like that's kind of the easiest thing to feel in the regular season. And even in the playoffs, you look at some of the best teams, backup bigs. I mean, Miami's backup big was Cody Zeller. Um, Biombo played a lot of minutes for Phoenix. Yeah, Biombo, like the backup big for Denver is escaping me right now, but they didn't really have one because... They have Jokic. Um, the Bucs don't really have one. Like, it's kind of Bobby Portis, but he's barely a big man as well. Um, there's plenty of guys out there, I think, that they can find. Um, our guy, uh, Nemius, Kata. Uh, maybe he's the one. When did Gabriel <laughs> come out, man? <laughs> I like yeah. Gabriel, I think. Yeah, I mean, actually, he, he great got dimensions, like real player. NBA minutes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. big time dimensions. Incredible and, dimensions. Uh, went to high school in New Hampshire, so kind of a local okay. guy. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. So I, I guess the, the baddest of the bad, the, the saddest of the sad is the outgoing Time Lord, our beloved Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. Was he, Jake, the, the best Celtic big since, I don't know, a young Al oh. Holford? So like when, when Al first arrived in Boston, like as a free agent? Yeah. Or is Pete Time Lord like even better? I think you can make the argument. Wow. Well, I'm not sure I could do that to Al just because Al, like the ability to, to guard Giannis Embiid and then be offensively like that. That sniper as well. And when you add in the durability part of it as well. But at Time Lord's peak, like there are very few guys in the league that could wreck a game in the way that Time Lord can do yeah. it. I know when we talked about some, what we're most excited for going into the season, I was like, healthy Time Lord, yeah. box score anomalies for him to have the like 10 points, 16 rebounds, four blocks, three steals type of game. It's just uh, like the, the eight block game against James Harden in the, in the net series. Like the fact that he's the, the, some of the stuff that he was able to do. Um, and that's why he, he's so tantalizing. That's why we call him the chosen one. Like he, he, he definitely has a, a power in there that we saw at times. Um, I'm, I think a bit of a shell uh, just generally, I guess right now, but I think watching <laughs> Brad Stevens trade Marcus and the emotion that we all went through as Celtics fans with Marcus getting traded. This has not really hit me. Like Rob was one of my favorite players to watch such a unique player, but I just, I, I've grieved for Marcus smart. Like, and I got true holiday back as well. So it's like, love you, Rob, but I, I already lost like my firstborn son. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Prime Rob is probably the best defensive player since KG on the mm-hmm. Celtics. I mean, the problem is he just didn't seem as prime much. I don't know. Al averaged five assists a game that like first year season or two so year, which is absolutely insane for a center. So I, I don't think he quite got there. But the fact that we can have the conversation and it's close, like just tells you how damn good he was when he was like truly healthy and clicking. So I'll miss Time Lord. But yeah, I think that's a great way to, to put it, Jake. It's like... <laughs> We already we already lost a child. Like yeah. <laughs> you know, now it's a grandparent. It's like okay, yeah. this isn't quite as bad. Yeah, yeah. we're grizzled and, and jaded at this point. Yeah. And I think yeah. that clearly the the Brad Stevens mentality is: if you want to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. And unfortunately, 
Time Lord is one of those eggs. Um, but one of the coolest dudes, I think, like, that's kind of yeah. like, that's been one of my evaluation <laughs> metrics is like, how cool a dude are you? And like, Time Lord, <laughs> always right up there. So, he will be missed. Um, I think, you know, Portland uh, are going to love him. And the opportunity to play, at least initially, behind DeAndre Ayton is going to give him some longevity. And I wouldn't be surprised if he plays himself into favor not only with the fans, but with the front office there, given some of the, the shortcomings we've seen with DeAndre Ayton. So, that's definitely the baddest of the bad with the Drew Holiday, which we're all agreeing is like very much ultimately a wonderful, terrific theme. We talked about Drew's playoff inefficiency. We talked about Pritchard and maybe it looks like only my concerns about him being the primary um, backup point guard. Before we get to the financial situation, rebounding <laughs> is probably statistically and team-wise the, the most glaring mm-hmm. hole for the Celtics. Time Lord, you know, his offensive rebounds, so much fun, just the many, many extra possessions that he would generate just by way of his offensive rebounding. Porzingis is not a known rebounder, full stop, on either end of the court. Tatum is, but it also often like put there in, in a good rebounding position or situation. Oh, both both of you guys just refuse to swallow the Tatum rebounding <laughs> propaganda. Okay, well, tell, it- tell us everything's going to be okay, Jake, and, and why. Firstly... <laughs> The guys that lead rebounding on every team get like three to five very easy rebounds every game. That's just the nature of being that guy. Um, Tatum talked about it in his kind of media day stuff today. Like everybody needs to do more. You know, if you need to go from eight rebounds a game to 11 rebounds a game, the guy that I want to see a rebounding jump from is is Jalen. There's absolutely no reason that he shouldn't be one of the better rebounding wings in the league as well. Um so I think once you, if you have Tatum and Jalen like really bought in on the defensive glass, and before Rob came back. I don't remember the exact ranking they were, but they were pretty sure they were top five in defensive rebounding percentage before Rob even came back. And then when Rob did come back, they were bit shot straight up to first, but they were still a really good defensive rebounding team with Horford, Tatum, and Jalen as like their main rebounders. And Zach Lowe wrote like a bit of a thing about their commitment to gang rebounding. Um, and it was actually a bit of an adjustment having Rob come back because it was like, oh, we have Rob. We don't need to rebound anymore. Um, but um, having them all bought into gang rebounding, I actually think it's fine when you have Jalen and Jason out there for, for the most part as well. Yeah, White boxes out, Drew boxes yeah. out, um, KP is 7-3, so he is going to get some rebounds, you know, but uh, we we will miss like, wow, Rob Williams got yeah. four offensive rebounds in that possession and we, we like willed us into a bucket. But uh, I, I think if you're going to concede anything, it probably rebounding is probably the least important thing. Like if you're just scoring on people and locking them down, you can give up two or three extra offensive rebounds a game and it's not really going to hurt you. Yeah. The Houston Rockets were first in the league in offensive rebounding percentage last year. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Yep. Interesting. Very interesting. All right. Uh, Clearly everything is going to be great and everything is fine. We don't have to worry about rebounding. Aussie Phil, Pritchard. We got got Pritchard. He's basically just God Rob. Yeah. So, Spoonie, I'll go to you here because this is one of this is one of your many sort of fields of expertise. The financial situation. We are now an above second apron team, and we've talked time and time again, you know, throughout the offseason about the constraints that being above that second apron brings upon any team who's in that position. But Drew Holiday brings with him a meaty contract. He's an expiring next year with a player option that I think we decided last pod he likely won't opt into. And it puts the Celtics in a position where they've got to commit yet again more money, another meaty near max-ish salary to uh, yet another player. So, what's your view on the financial situation for the Celtics? 
So I think ultimately this year, look, what it basically boils down to is we are going to don't get the trade machine out because once you're over the second apron, you cannot take back more salary than you send out. You used to be able to take back 125% of what you're sending out. So like we got to find teams to take money on, which costs additional assets. So we're going to have to overpay in any trade we want, um, but it will require us to cut money, which is maybe a kind of a blessing in that way. But we, we're not going to have an MLE for a very long time. And in about three years, this tax bill is going to be insane, like hundreds of millions of dollars. So this core probably is not going to stick around for four or five years. I mean, Drew's 33, so his window on being like a positive player is probably around that number. Um, but once Tatum's Supermax hits, I, I don't know what we're going to do. I doubt Wick <laughs> is writing $200 million luxury tax bills. But so we're in, we're in a tough spot, but it all goes more to like, look, Wick put his money where his mouth is, man. Like he, we're deep into the luxury tax now. It's going to hurt. Um, but when you can put a team with this much talent together, like he just felt like it was worth it. So I'm glad Brad had the, uh, had the willing, uh, the green light to spend and get, get looking at bargain basement, bargain bin bigs, baby. Cause that's where we're probably going yeah. shopping. Like we got that TPE and that's the odds of us taking full salary back on that are probably pretty low, even though I would love to, cause it's not my money. But, um, so and we got to watch out. We're going to have to concede a draft pick if we're over the second apron for two more years. Oh, so, yeah. But that's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you just got to win a title, man, and it all goes away. We, yeah, well, here's the thing. that The, the picks aren't frozen yet because the second apron, like penalties for freezing the picks, yep. don't kick into the following year. Just trade them now, Brad. I, I saw you smirking at the, at the press conference today. Like those picks aren't hanging around. Um, yeah, I don't know. If Wick hit hit a big, like I haven't seen crypto bump up or anything like that lately. I'm not sure um, <laughs> what's going on, uh, but maybe all those savings, he's been just investing them nice and steadily, you know, compound interesting them, ready for the for the, for the big tax bill. Um, because the, the Derek White extension's coming. And before this, I was like, we got to get pay him the max, which is going to be what we can offer, which is like 30 million a year. And then all of a sudden we're paying Drew Holiday and also 30 million a year. I don't know what they're going to do, but my, my guess is this core is this year, next year, and the year after, and then it's just we're back to Jalen, Jason, and whoever fits. Now, I've got to go in a second. I've got to get to a work lunch here in, in Sydney, uh, so I'll leave it to you guys to finish the pod, but uh, we'll just run through the rest of the bad uh, very quickly, and there's, there's very few remaining points, but just on that financial situation- my advice, and this is me really just like talking to myself, but to Celtics fans in general, like I got stuck into this a little bit with Danger Cart on Twitter <clears> yesterday about getting a little caught up in like the future issues there. And as I was writing out like my final reply to him, I had to sort of stop myself and be like, what are you doing? Like we're more poised to win a yeah. championship than we really have been mm -hmm. since going into the 07-08 season. Like enjoy the present. And that is my like overarching advice and recommendation <laughs> to you guys and Celtics fans is we get so caught up in like, what are we going to do in two to five to whatever years time? Is Jason Tatum going to be a Celtic when he's 32 years old? Like right now, he's 25, going on 26, he's entering his prime. We've got by far the best team around him that we've ever had. Uh, we've got possibly the best roster, at least top six in the entire league. 
enjoy the moment because it will end and there will be issues down the road. And if we spend the whole time worrying about what's coming next, we're never going to be able to enjoy what's happening right now. So again, that's a pep talk for myself because I am <laughs> the, good. one of the most neurotic Celtics fans probably <laughs> in existence. So it's for me. And I, I know that there are others out there like me. So let's get to those final bad points before I drop off here. So we talked about the financial situation. One point I had was, did we pivot away from our new values? And what we talked about after the Porzingis acquisition was how our defense would change, how we might play a lot more uh, zone, and we we're sort of leaning into size rather than this tiny, small, switch everything kind of defense. And have we suddenly just completely pivoted back away from that? And I suppose, does that leave- Porzingis out to dry a little bit defensively and that he will be sort of required to come up to the ball and guard pick and rolls differently than we would have been if we were double big with with Time Lord and Porzingis. So, have we sort of spent most of the offseason committing to a new um, basketball philosophy and, and set of values? And then have we suddenly at the last minute pivoted away from that, Spoonie? And is that a bad thing? So, I, I think so, but uh, I, I think if you look positional size wise like we're still pretty big like drew's yeah. a huge point guard Derek white's probably an average side shooting guard jalen about average side small forward and tatum i don't, I don't know just tatum like 6 9, 19 now at this point yeah. like he's he, he's huge like he's yeah. huge i think he's fine at power forward and like drew's bigger than marcus smart right so he's really replacing smart um, and I think it's really just losing Rob is where you, we lose that huge size because we can't go double bigs nearly as often. But if we need it, you know, we can run KP and Al and Tatum and Jalen and Drew Holiday out there. Like, I, I think it's oh, I think you're right. Yeah, that's a massive lineup. Right. So <laughs> I, I think you're right, Ben, that we've pivoted from like we always play big to we can play any way you want at any time with a bunch of different personnel out there. So I do think it's a pivot, uh, but I think it's a pivot to, to, towards more versatility. Yep. Totally agree. I think size wise, they're, they're just pretty big at every position that we just don't have the jumbo squad yeah, on the yeah, crew now. Yep. And like the, the zone that they ran in the summer league was probably a waste of time now, but that's okay. <laughs> I love that with every bad point I put in air quotes that we've been able to bring up. There's been a really easy way to negate that actually being not doing a, a it. Not cause today. for concern. Yeah. And maybe like, go, you know, after you listen to this and, and subscribe on all platforms and share it with all your family and friends, you know, go check out a few other podcasts. Like I know that the Dunked On Pod did a more objective overview of, of the trade for the Celtics there, but um, we can't help ourselves. It's, uh, it's incredible. Guys, uh, I do have to go, so I'll leave it to you to wrap up the pod. There's obviously still plenty to get to, but unfortunately, I've got a work engagement I've got to get to. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, enjoy your time, time with Spoonie and Jake, and I'll talk to you all soon. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> See very you, much. Dude. See you, guys. See you, Ben. Oh, I missed uh, him. Damn it. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Now it's just two guys when we're matching shirts. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm screen capping this, man. I'm like making my Twitter profile. So real quick, Jake, I got. I want to know your thoughts yeah. on this because, yeah. like, my entire like career of being a Celtics fan has been making the argument that Marcus Smart is a better defensive player than Drew Holiday. Mm. So one, I'm going to try to maintain that. This entire season, do you feel like you're gonna you're gonna cave and you're gonna say Drew's better? Because I, I, feel, I probably will. <laughs> well, here's the thing: I feel like we're okay because 
I was 100% on the Marcus Smart is a better defender the year that we had that defense and Marcus Smart won defensive player of the year. That was easy, right? Yeah. We, we talked all year long about how Marcus was not good relative to his standards on defense last season. I don't think – so I think we're okay to say that last season, okay. Drew Holiday was a better defender than Marcus Smart. Okay. That's objectively fair, and I think we're, we're okay there. Career-wise, I still like the way – I still like the way that Marcus Smart gives you – like, can Drew Holiday defend jo- uh, like Joel Embiid like 12 possessions in a game? I don't know. I, I don't think so, right? And I, I just think that – that was the special part about Marcus for me was the rejecting Bam out of bio at the rim, um, being able to, to throw him like, and just embracing the challenge of guarding like the, the biggest guys in the league. I know true holiday is technically bigger, but that's why I always loved about smart. So career wise, I still give the edge to Marcus as a defender, but you know, last season Drew was the better defender and it wasn't that close, but career wise, I love that answer. I absolutely love that answer so much. (laughs) And I'm storing it up here, lock and key to make sure I bust it out. But yeah, and look, like Smart has taken a lot of miles on his body. So I actually think you could say this about Smart and Brogdon because Brogdon's offense was kind of Miami Heat style, like black magic. He just made a bunch of threes and was pretty Mm -hmm. terrible everywhere else. Like both those guys could be in for some regression next year. I guess you could say the same about Drew, but um, so yeah, I I love that, Jake. That's the the (laughs) absolute perfect answer. I don't know which one of us hosting. So what do you want to talk about next? That's that's a great point. Uh, Do we have anything else uh, bad? We got, I mean, the Drew Holiday true shooting percentage, we've kind of covered that. Yeah, Yeah, I I feel like, right. I think. You can still win the title with the way that he's shot the ball. They, they literally yeah. did it. And there's yeah. an argument to be made that in this offense where he's going to be at best the third offensive op- option, probably fourth, um, surrounded by like more offensive talent, that that starts to come up. So, you know, we're, we're going to see it. Um, but yeah, I think that's it for, for the bad. And we can move on to miscellaneous here. Um, Bill Simmons on the Bill Simmons part, also just the podcast the game right now. It's great to be in the game, um, yes, listening, <laughs> making podcasts, listening to podcasts. Like it's it's a great day um, for podcast consumers. Bill Simmons saying the Jays being the only guys left from the bubble um, that definitely hit me kind of hard. I was like, wait, was Pritchard there? No, because he was his rookie year was the post bubble year where, um, yep. every, yeah, everybody there was, was no fans. Yeah, no fans, and everybody was had COVID, and we had Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice yeah. playing double bigs. Oh. Uh, yeah, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he. Um, that's it's kind of crazy, but um, it's also important to know, like that we had the core together for like seven years. Like it wasn't it wasn't like this team flipped overnight. Yeah, um, like we we really we we gave it a real crack with this team too. Like what, f- four conference finals finals. I guess it was time. Is it five conference finals? Jalen rookie. Yeah. One, two. Yeah. One, two bubble. Yeah. It is five. Yeah. Yeah, Tatum's Tatum's got four. Yeah. Tatum's got four. Right. Which I think is really four is the the right number in that case, because that IT team was so different. So it's, it's really four with that core. Like, that's a lot of bites at the apple, the pie, I don't know, yeah. at the cherry. There we go. And like, we didn't get it done, man. And last year we lost to the eight seed in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, I 
felt like we all felt like rather like something had to change. I didn't realize it would be this much, but something had to change. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the Porzingis deal took us literally literal months to get over um, and wrap our heads around. And a lot of that, you know, the talking point for me has been the biggest issue with the Celtics team has been the offense. And you heard a lot, mm-hmm. a lot today at Media Day, um, watching the watching the Nuggets, everybody's clearly on the same page. And that the reason that we have not won the title in the last couple of years has been offense and it's like not close at all. And the offensive upgrade between Porzingis, Porzingis, from Rob to Porzingis, let's just say you know, your best kind of five guys, as good as Rob's offensive rebounding is, no one's ever going to argue that Rob's a better offensive player than Porzingis. It's a massive offensive upgrade with Porzingis. And as good as Marcus was, Drew Holiday was like, he's just a much better offensive player yep. while not, while not you know, sacrificing anything on the defensive end. And like the Nuggets, the Nuggets won the title with like the 16th best defense and, you know, being able to get, get stops here and there in the playoffs, but it was, can, can you get a bucket? And the Celtics just couldn't get a bucket at times the last couple of seasons. Now there's just a lot of bucket getters out there. I'm fascinated to see what our crunch time offense looks like because there are so many different things you could do, so many different guys you can put the ball in their hands. So I think Joe has a lot to figure out. Mm. That kind of terrifies me, but uh, trust in Joe, man. Like Brad oh. believes in him. So we got this. <laughs> he, look, he can't be worse than last year like i just right. i think like I'm not, I'm not even i'm not even a guy that thought joe was terrible last year i'm just more saying like his first year as a coach where yep. he didn't have any time to prepare um granted a lot of his plans went out the window a little bit yesterday but um like rookie coach has a staff in place players are getting have gotten older like i, th- I think it would, be, it would be shocking to me if joe like obviously regresses from a coaching perspective i thought that would be weird um and then the other miscellaneous thing that Ben has here for us is a lot of this is just still going to come down to Tatum and I'm so excited for him, dude. Like everything that's coming I out know. of his mouth right now is just like grizzled veteran. He's just ready to, for this season to start defensive end, um, whatever the team needs, take on, take on more, take on more. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this Tatum season. Dude, he is going to put an all-time coast fest in the preseason because you know he doesn't want to get hurt. Like, he is not going to try at all, which I'm totally fine with. Yes. Go nuts, Jason. But, yeah, um, there's. why don't we jump into media day because yeah. Tatum had some awesome quotes today. Uh, I've got one from shout-out friend of the program, Jack Simone. Um, he was – go follow him if you don't because um, yeah. he was tweeting out tons of quotes all day long. Uh, and this on his connection with Boston, which made me want to just like go out and get in a fight on behalf yeah. of Jason Tatum. When I got here, I was 19, fresh out of college. I was starting a new career on a new time. I chose to go to Duke. I didn't choose Boston, but I've spent so many years here. Deuce, Deuce has grown up here over time more and more. I felt like I'm a part of the city of Boston. Uh, I mean, come on, I man. Mean, yeah. Just win a ring, please. That's all, we, <laughs> that's all we need. Let us build the statue, please. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, and he's, he's slowly coming into his own as a, as a human, like 25 years old, like watching the video of him sitting down yeah. to, to his press conference and just kind of joking, being like, I already know what you guys are going to ask me. Do you want me to just to, to go? Answer, yeah. And yeah. He, he just starts talking about Paul Pierce. He's like, I knew the second thing was going to be true. And like that's a big piece of it for him as well is is the mental jump um 
from a leadership perspective. And that's part of the Marcus Smart Drew holiday swap too, is that you get that grit and that leadership from from Drew. But you know, no one's gonna mistake this team for for Drew Holiday's team, like you kind of can do with Marcus Smart, who was, you know, here for nine years, rightly felt was a leader. And Drew will be a leader too, but it's gonna be Jalen and Jason's team. So that that won't change with this trade. Um for on Tatum, the 12 pounds of muscle, which I think, depending on who you talk to, is a good a good thing or a bad thing. I'm all about it. Like 12 pounds of muscle for a guy that's six foot nine. Um, you know, I know I've been talking a lot about muscles lately. I feel like the last couple of episodes <laughs> between the striations and the, the quadricep teardrop last episode. Uh, but a guy that's six foot nine adding 12 pounds of muscle over like the off season. I feel like no one's asked him this specific question, but I'm pretty sure he would have gained about 10 pounds of muscle, like somewhere between five and 10 pounds every year that he's been in the league. Yeah. Like, like even looking at the video of him at the press conference, it doesn't really look that different to me. Like, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of extra size, but when you're that big, it's not that big of a difference. Yeah. I wonder if it's in his base and his core. Um, yeah. Cause you know, he was like, he could definitely use like his upper body doesn't, this is like weird. I'm breaking down Jason Tatum's body, no. but like his, his like upper half really didn't need it, but he does mm. need to get stronger in the legs. Yeah. It'll help him play the four better too. Yeah. Did, did either of us call out Jason Tatum as the guy who gained the muscle in our media day yeah, predictions sure. last time? Yeah, I think one sure of us. It might have been you. I, th- I, think, I think we said Hauser as well as a, as yeah, a yeah. good choice yeah. for that. But um, look, I mean, look, I watched the Kevin, the Kevin Hart cold as balls video that T- Tatum was on and Tatum's shirtless for that whole video. And he looks pretty much the same to me. Like, yeah, very different. I don't know when exactly they filmed that, but it only came out recently. He looks very much the same. But I think adding that extra strength, like, is a good thing. Um, people think it's it's going to impact the shooting. We've kind of covered that it's probably just like take two less bad shots, and you're probably going to come yeah. right back up to to thirty seven percent anyway. Um, what did you think of all of the uh, like just him talking about the Paul Pierce stuff? I I, I don't know if it's me. The <laughs> I, like it's Paul. That's awesome. I love it. Shout out Pierce for dropping fifteen to twenty pounds. That's <laughs> yeah. great. But it doesn't like get me like revved up, I guess. Like it does a lot of people like I th- was it like Giannis is working out with Hakeem and it's like, OK, cool. He still can't make anything outside of three feet. So I think it's awesome. Paul is like being so involved with the mm. team and specifically with Tatum. That's great. Not sure Paul Pierce is the greatest mentor for a young <laughs> athlete, but uh, but I think it's cool. I mean, it's it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun story. I do love how it's like they're helping each other. The fact that Pierce is losing 20 pounds. I do like the idea of just like four weeks straight, you know, in the gym every day they got, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that they're not really I, the tiger guys. I'm guessing it's more of um, Drake and future and guys like that, but I'm picturing I of the tiger Rocky just every day. Um, Tatum in the gym and Pierce giving him like little footwork tips, like how to use his shoulders, like some of that kinds of stuff. Um, Yeah. I'm like, but I, I do feel like it's something that people have always like wish they saw more of is like these legends getting involved with the Jays. Yeah. Um, and to have to have like a little four week boot camp, I think is fun. Um, and have him share some of those stories um, about winning a championship. It is, it is funny though. It's like Pierce, like you forget how much injuries and, and things just contribute and luck just contribute to this kind of stuff. Like that the big three just only won the one title and, yeah. KG hurts his knee and then that's that's just kind of that's the reason they don't win another one. They just got lucky that everyone was healthy in that one year. 
that's all we need is, is, is everything to go right one time. Just one, man. Just one it, time. It will change the narrative about Tatum's place in the NBA so much so, yeah. if he gets a title, dude. Like, I, I, re- I really think it'll just be him moving up to like that accepted right around that top five tier 1A range. Um, who's your MVP of media day? Because I have one if you don't. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't had a chance to watch okay. everything yet. So I, I just watched that Tatum one. Um, so I'm going to have to go to go Tatum here. But please, if you give me, give me the, the recap. Okay. Jordan Walsh. Yeah, I, was, I thought you were going to say Walsh. Watch everything with Walshy. We have picked the correct guy yes. to go all in on for our the vibe of first to the floor here. <laughs> Jordan Walsh on movies he's been told to watch. This is a Jack Simone again. Al told me I have to watch Godfather 1 and 2. Once you get that, you can come talk to me again. <laughs> and then Jordan Walsh, when he was done, skipped away from the podium. Literally, <laughs> like, skipped. <laughs> So he has yeah, a dude. lot of awesome quotes. He has a great quote about like the difference between college summer league and then playing mm. with these guys in pickup games uh, and like what his role is going to be, how he understands he's not going to play a ton, but he's going to bring it 100% every time he does. So like definitely check out the Walshy stuff. I think easy MVP dude is extremely lovable. He's awesome. And like, yeah, yeah. the fact that he's mentioned that Hawford's mentoring him. Um, I just, I love Al, dude. Like the best. I love that it didn't make any sense to to trade him, but like to have him, it's just to have a guy like that that's willing to take this second round pick, this nineteen year old kid, and like really take him under his wing. Like Al being one of the first like vet guys to come back in the off season to this facility and straight away take Walshy under his ring. Like that's awesome. And yeah. for Walshy to like really appreciate that, like, man, every word out of Walshy's mouth is like, you can feel the championship culture. You can feel everybody pulling in the right direction. It's like a very thoughtful 19 year old and also like really knows how to get the people, people going. Cause all he talks about is how everybody just is on the same page to win a, to win a championship. So great choice. Cannot wait to go watch all of the Jordan Walsh stuff. Um, do you have anyone else that you enjoyed? Uh, I mean, Derek White was just classic Derek White. Yeah. Bald head was out there looking beautiful. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's it's D. White. I think Jalen had a great quote about him. And did you see them? They went to the Boulder, CU Boulder yeah, football yeah, yeah. game. And Jalen's like, freaking Derek White was drunk by 10 a.m. <laughs> I was like, that would be a day, dude. I would and love to day oh, drink dude. with Derek White and go to college football games. Tailgating but, with D. White. Yeah, oh, man, that's yeah. living. But I, I would just say, like, in general... It seemed like the vibes were extremely, extremely high and Mm. not in just like a media tailored way. Like you can just tell these dudes know they're part of something special and they're Mm. super excited. Like it comes, it just like beams through in all their interviews. Yeah. It's really interesting. It it feels quite, obviously it feels different to last season, obviously with no email. Um, I don't know. It feels like Tatum and Jalen, Specifically, Tatum feel like they've just embraced the process of relaxed. It's like, look, we want to win a title more than anything, but you can't force this thing. You can always come to go out, play defense. We love these new additions. Got to try and make it work, and we get there. We get there. It's um, you just just can't, you can't, you can't force this. Um, Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, um, Porzingis is giving me. Uh, from what I saw today, just like Ray Allen vibes. Like he's not the most eccentric dude. Like he's not going to have these awesome quotes. He's just like, Boston's great. Happy to be here. Um, and he's probably going to be the guy that sacrifices 
like of the of the obviously different because Jalen and Jason were already here. Yep. Um, but like he's going to be the guy that like changes the what he's done um, the most. Like Ray, when Ray Allen came to Boston, he he was completely changed the way that he played and like and fit. And then I can and then personality wise, he's just no, I mean, no one's like Pierce and Garnett, like obviously, but he was obviously like the most kind of relaxed, laid back of yeah. those three. And I feel like Porzingis is going to be kind of similar in that. I hope that he's just, I'm here, set screens, roll, play defense. And he probably leaves after his contract. And it's like, hopefully we, we had a title. And, um, but, you know, he goes to another team for, for a contract. He, he feels more of like a mercenary to me than like Drew Holiday does kind of coming in. Yeah, I, I think that's an absolutely spot on comparison. You're, we haven't really talked a lot about that, about KP. We've just been so excited. But yeah, he's going to have to change the way he plays. And he's not like a guard. Like Drew is going to yeah. have the ball. Even if he's not, if he's taking less shots, like he's going to take the ball up. He's going to run the actions. Like there's going to be like street, like games where KP just doesn't get nearly as many touches as he's used to. So let's hope he buys in. I, I think he will. When you've got an injury history like that, and yeah. you're on by far, by far the best mm. team he's ever played on. Uh, and, you know, he's like 27, 28 now. Like, you start to mature and understand, like, what it's really all about. Like, I, I think he I, – I get the impression he's maybe not the most exciting, funny guy in the world. Yeah. But I also think he kind of understands what the task at hand is and will do everything he can to accomplish it. So, that is a – that's a, like, spot-on comparison, dude. Yeah. Um, so, I think – that's fine. We don't need you to do anything besides hit shots. So you don't have to be funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I do like that Jalen like continues to make the defensive identity. Like that's clearly mm-hmm. a focus of, of his in particular and everybody, but pretty much since the, the day that he signed his Supermax, every time he's had the chance to speak, he's talked about the defense and he posted a defensive highlight reel on his Instagram. Like um, if we can get Jalen, Jalen's best defensive year of his career, that'd be awesome. So I'm just tell him to like make defensive rebounding a goal of his and that'll just have like a really big impact on his overall. Like, you know, he's always sucks at these, these impact metrics. If he just like focused on rebounding, that'd probably like just fix it naturally. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm actually writing about this. I tweeted out some charts comparing him to Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine and someone, Oh, Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. And like, he's great in efficiency. He's probably the best or second best in all the defensive metrics and then impact he's clearly last yeah uh part of that's like playing without tatum um that kind of on off makes it look worse than it is but yeah you're right like we we just know he's not going to be a playmaker it's just not it's it's too late it's just not going to happen so like dedicate yourself be clay thompson where you just like absolutely yeah who can go to the rim um just defend like insane take that on and you know score efficiently and you're good. That's a championship caliber number two. Like we've already seen it. So uh, I, I think that's the mold. And you're right. It seems like it. it's like crazy how often he's bringing up yeah. defense. I absolutely love it. So, yeah, I hope he actually carries that into the season because at least it's an easy thing to ask him about now. Jalen, you said um, defense was going to be a focus for you here. So you're getting lost off ball uh, a couple of times today. Uh, what happened to the defense? So um, I like that it's yeah. a focus because it may, it makes it easy to hold everybody accountable. If it's been a focus it day in, day out going into the season, um, the media will be talking about it and they'll be talking about it themselves. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have too much more from a, from a media no. 
day perspective. I'm sure we'll, we'll there'll be much more that kind of comes out the next few days, but but yeah. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I guess before we go, uh, we are running the the Jordan Walsh yes. Walshy jersey promo. Leave us a five star review on whatever podcast app you use. We will read them out and we will randomly pick a winner at some point in the future here. Um, and we will send you a Walsh, Jordan Walshy jersey, the <laughs> only one in the world, we think, probably. Um, so, yeah, figure out a way to get us your contact info or your Twitter handle, and we can go from there when you leave the review. But we were going to read some out today, but Ben has them, so we're not going to be able <laughs> to do that. Uh, but next time, we'll, we'll read a handful or half a dozen off. So please, five star, help the boys out. Help us destroy that a logarithm. Um, but yeah, appreciate the support. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a Walshy jersey. We did decide as well. Yeah. So it, was- it could be anything. Which is lame, but you can do it if you want. We wouldn't, we wouldn't hold that against you. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, we're almost there. Yes, sir. All right, you want to just roll it outro time? Let's do it. Thanks, everybody. Right. Appreciate everybody Thanks. in the chat. Good to see you, Spoonie. And let's peace go out.